Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the dashing Doug Roz, the jubilant Jim Anderson, and the magnificent Michelle Shepardson. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Chuck and Jared, and today we're going to talk about knowing when to take a break. Take a break from what? Well, whatever you need to pause for a little while. Before we get into that main topic, though, let's ask our get to know a note question. And on topic, what is the longest gap you've ever had between games? Jared, I'm going to start with you. Okay, well, the longest gap I had was probably from the mid 90s to early 2000s. I had, you know, I kind of transitioned from that just after high school to adult work and all of my <laughs> friends going off to live in different places and didn't necessarily trust a lot of my coworkers to uh, probe them to see how nerdy they were to uh, jump into RPGs or anything like that. So I kind of got away from all that. The closest thing I got to continuing to game was finding some people at one job that played Magic the Gathering. So we would do that like over the lunch for a while. And, you know, then in the early 2000s, I finally got back into things. I bought a whole bunch of Alternative, which I never ended up playing, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, then I jumped back in with some people and played uh, third edition D&D and the D20 Star Wars game that Watsu put out at the time. And that's that was how I re-entered the gaming sphere. What about you, Chuck? So similar time frame, similar story. I played a very little bit of Dungeons and Dragons when I was very early in high school and obviously like middle school and late elementary uh, kind of started from a very young age. And then just sort of stopped through high school. And then when I first went to college, I didn't play. And then just ended up falling into this group of people that really liked RPGs. And I really liked them. <laughs> and it just brought back just that whole love of everything all at once. And if you can indulge me for just a second, I love the story <laughs> that we hear with RPG players of people playing Once Upon a Time and having these wonderful memories. And then they step away from it for a little while and they can always come back to it like it's home. And the, the people that I've talked to, even in a professional environment, I make a special point of being the loudest, proudest nerd you can be, <laughs> where I've had, I, I kid you not, C-suite executives in companies say, oh, I remember playing Dungeons and Dragons in high school. It was such a great time. I haven't done that in forever. And because I am a professional grown up, though you wouldn't think it, I don't say, <laughs> let's play a game right now. But I very, very much want to. So, Ange, what's the longest time you've had? Between? So, similar time frame. <laughs> mid 90s to early 2000s uh for me it wasn't so much that i gave it up as much as the group i played with in the 90s wandered away from it mm -hmm. it was very much a single gm dominated group and i love the guy but he was a little bit flaky as a gm we'd mm -hmm. never like a campaign never lasted past like five or six sessions before he'd flake on it and we'd end up starting something else a little bit later. And he stopped trying. He stopped putting stuff forward. Still talked about it all the time. But the group never actually gamed. And I, at about that same time that that was happening, and I was not nearly as forceful a personality as I am <laughs> now back then, I discovered mushes online, which kind of, <laughs> It was different, but it soothed that role-playing need and that fantasy storytelling thing. Mm -hmm. So from about 94 to about 2000, I mostly just played a variety of mushes. 
never any actual tabletop games. And then in 2000, I found EverQuest, and <laughs> that kind of became the obsession. I learned through about three years of EverQuest that I am not allowed to play MMOs. It's just <laughs> not good for me. But in that MMO, I met a bunch of folks out in Cape Cod that I went to visit, and they're like, hey, let's play this new D&D version. And <laughs> we made characters in 3.0 and played it. And then uh, the second time I went to visit, we actually played a little bit of Mutants and Masterminds. And I'm like, I really miss this. <laughs> and that was about 2003. And since at that point, I knew that, you know, my, my college gaming group was never going to get rolling again because nobody, nobody was willing to be the GM other than the GM. And it just wasn't going to happen. Plus, a couple of folks had had kids, yada, yada, yada. and so. I basically started trying to find a, a gaming group and I found one and the GM was awful and super creepy. <laughs> and I eventually decided that bad gaming was not a good alternative to no gaming. Mm -hmm. But luckily the other players who were awesome reached out to me about a month after I stopped going and said, Hey, would you come back to gaming if we weren't playing with bill anymore and i'm like yes <laughs> and those are the guys i'm still gaming with today oh that's awesome yeah as an aside i would like to point out that it is clear from this conversation that the three of us are solely responsible for the resurgence in tabletop gaming <laughs> in the early 2000s <laughs> has yep. nothing to do with D D. no no not the new edition that was a brilliant game changer it was purely yep. us that so you're welcome rpg industry <laughs> We are trendsetters. So, yes. <laughs> getting to our main topic, we all adore this hobby, and I think it's safe to say that most of us here have decided this hobby is for life. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, life is complicated, messy, and sometimes you need to make adjustments. So let's take some time to talk about recognizing when to take a break, what to take a break from, and how to balance our love of gaming with our daily lives and families and other friends. Because, shockingly enough, not all of my friends play D&D. &D. <laughs> mm -hmm. How weird. How do you have conversations with people that can't talk about armor class? I know. So, Chuck, you brought the topic up, so I'm going to toss it to you first. What were your thoughts behind suggesting the topic? Okay, so to be completely honest, the main reason why I suggested the topic is my extreme level of guilt about not having done a Gnome Stew article recently. <laughs> it is to the point where my husband is even like, are you still writing for Gnome Stew? And I'm like, theoretically, he's like, you should do another article. It's like, I should. Instead, I'll do a Gnome cast about how what I was doing is actually a good thing. Uh, but in all seriousness, I really like what you said. It's knowing when to take a break and what to take a break from. Because, as I think I've said probably several times even on this podcast, gaming is not one hobby. It is several hobbies wearing a trench coat. And <laughs> which, which of those hobbies is the one that you want to take breaks from? So for me, uh, a lot of what I do with Gnomes do is kind of getting my ideas out about game design. And things that you can bring in that are creative or based on other things. And I, I enjoy that a great deal, but my enthusiasm was waning a little bit because it seemed like everything that I was learning, I was learning for that purpose 
And that drew some of the joy of learning away from me. And so I needed some time to refill my enthusiasm on that level, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I didn't stop running games. I continued to run a very successful game that I was able to put more energy into. I haven't stopped making terrain. Uh, nobody who's listening to this can see the amazing cathedral that I have behind me. And actually, you can't see it either, but I'm <laughs> working on it. It's not really a cathedral. It's like a chapel, but I'm very it's, proud of it. So like, I continue. Side note to our listeners, I have been harassing Chuck to do an article about his underwater terrain because it was amazing. See, I would, but then like you mentioned that and immediately Jeremy from Black Magic Craft did an underwater terrain video. <laughs> like literally dropped this week and nope, nope, I'm not doing that. I am probably going to do some on like smaller smaller scale projects that you can do and that turn out pretty well. So that that's coming at some point soon. But in any in any event, sorry, I've really been meandering off the topic i think the key is to find out what part of the hobby is no longer feeding back into your mm -hmm. enthusiasm tank because rpgs are a hobby that are fueled more than anything else by enthusiasm mm -hmm. everybody at the table especially the gm has to be somebody who's really really eager to be there and when you find yourself no longer eager to be there it's time to take a step back not forever but just until you just can't wait to get back at it that's just sort of my thought Ange, any thoughts from you I, I think that's a very good point. For me, GMing is work. Mm -hmm. Like, I love gaming. I can game, you know, like, I can game all the, all the, every day for four-hour chunk. I could totally game. But mm -hmm. GMing, GMing takes work. And GMing, for me, takes spoons. Like, GMing generally does not give me spoons, which means it can be very exhausting. And when the pandemic hit in 2020, I knew that, our current GM, who was running at the time, worked for the Department of Health, mm -hmm. and he was about to be very, very busy. Mm -hmm. The other, uh, the other guy who regularly GMs works for a company that it, basically he was going to be very, very busy. So I basically stepped up and like, I'm going to be moving work from home. I know we're busy at work, but I have the bandwidth to actually run. So I basically took the reins and I ran. And I first ran a short Knights Black Agents campaign that was awful because I hated all of their characters. <laughs> <laughs> and when we reached a good stopping point for that one, um, I started up an East Texas University campaign, which was much better. And I ran that for probably about six months, which is a long time for me to run because, like I said, I it takes spoons for me to run. So it was really hard for me to you know, have that energy. By the end of it, I'm like, I, guys, I need a break from GMing. I really, mm -hmm. really need a break from GMing. Um, and so I was able to step back, fall into the player role, and let other people take on the GMing role because things had changed enough that even though we were still all completely and utterly stressed out, other people had some bandwidth that they could put into running games. Mm -hmm. How about you, Jared? Um, what's what's interesting is that just reminded me of recently, not recently, recently, but in the last few years, because time is a weird soup. But uh, the um, when I was running my Star Trek Adventures game, I absolutely loved it. But it started off as a face to face game. <laughs> and I kind of let that one drift a little bit for a few months after everything kind of went online. And eventually I got back to it. But part of it was just that I was so used to seeing everybody and i literally had a model of their ship that i would put in the middle of the table 
and I had all these tokens for it and everything. And it took so long for me to readjust my brain to where I could enjoy running this for them again online that I just had to take a break from that. And it wasn't the people, wasn't the mm-hmm. setting. It wasn't any of that. It was just that I had to get used to this idea that I have to use different tools for this game now than I used when we were all getting together on a Sunday afternoon bringing a bunch of snacks and, you know, playing with the little Star Trek chips that I would bring in. So um, that was, you know, that was one thing that I needed to take a break from there. Mm -hmm. There's been other times when I just I need to switch genres for a while. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I absolutely love fantasy. I will, you know, I run a ton of D&D and I don't get burned out on it that often. But every once in a while, it's like I got to do something other than fantasy. Mm -hmm. So then I have to jump, you know, into something else usually into monster hunting or something like that, which then I get in a rut of doing too many monster hunting games in a row and have to (laughs) find something else to jump into. Um, But what Chuck was saying is really, really important. Like learning what you're actually burned out about is, yes, is very, it's very important for you to zero in on because, and sometimes it is a person in your group. And I hate to put it that bluntly, but, there were times when I was getting burned out on D&D and it wasn't D&D. It was there was one player at the table that had more fun pushing the rules than he did participating in a story. Mm-hmm. And everything felt like a fight all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, if I take this and this, that should logically let me do this automatically. It's like, you know, I don't think that's fun. Yeah, but according to the rules, well, I don't care. According to the rules, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's fun. And it's also overshadowing these other people at the table who aren't trying to come up with this killer combination for their characters. And you're wearing me out and I'm getting real tired. <laughs> now, you, you bring up a person and I have to confess that, <laughs> admittedly, the pandemic solved this problem for me. <laughs> but in 2019, I was getting to the point where I was considering taking a break from some conventions. Because there were some people that there was stress with and, you know, people that were, were, were making me more anxious and stressed to be going to a convention they might also be at. Uh-huh. And that takes a lot of the joy out of attending a convention. And I was seriously debating what to do about that. When the coronavirus hit and we haven't had conventions in two and a half years and it's, you know, yeah, life goes on. Yeah, sadly. You know, it's the, the, you have to figure out what is the, what is the stressor Mm -hmm. that is making you not enjoy this anymore and then figure out what you need to do about it. And that I, I have absolutely been a part of groups and have run for groups that were purely exhausting to run. And, and I'm going to say something that's going to sound much easier than it actually is. <laughs> but the solution to that is just don't run for those people. And <laughs> I, I, I had to do that recently. I was running for a group that was nothing wrong with any of the people involved. They were all mm-hmm. wonderful people. But in combination, they just sucked the life out of me. <laughs> and I tried every possible way. And again, nothing wrong with anything they did. I, I still can't put my finger on why. Mm-hmm. But I just had to say to that group, like, look, I know everybody's really excited about this other game. Everybody still wants to get together. Please feel free to get together without me. But I just need to take a pause on this group yeah, uh, so that I can focus on other things. And everybody, and this is why you don't play with jerks, by the way. Everybody took it like complete grownups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they found other stuff. And they're all just great folks. 
And now I don't have that stressor on me anymore. One other thing, uh, I am currently involved in one weeknight game currently. Uh, and when this one is over, I'm never doing a weeknight game again. It really is. It's identifying the things that exhaust you and then not doing those things, which mm -hmm. is like so easy to say. So, so hard. <laughs> to do. Yes, it is. And, and, you know, let's, let's face it. We're all gamers here. We all like our friends. We're all a little bit of mm -hmm. people pleasers sometimes. Mm -hmm. So when somebody wants you in their game mm -hmm. and they want to run it at a time that's not really ideal for you, it can be really easy to say yes when you should say no. Yes. And, and your gaming time, my gaming time, everybody's gaming time is precious. Mm -hmm. Even if you could game every night of the week, you still can't game every night of the week. And that's learning to say no is such a useful life skill <laughs> across just everything. And it doesn't have to be mean and it shouldn't be mean. But, you know, maybe that's the most important lesson you can take from kind of taking this break is now. Now, you might have been able to physically game every night when you were in college, <laughs> but you were also a failed college. I, we're not going to talk about how long I spent in, spent in undergraduate. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, that is, I, I certainly don't know if this is the trajectory everybody else had. But when I was an undergraduate, I worked retail hourly type jobs. And I just wasn't able to game very much at all because it, there were no set schedules. Mm -hmm. And so now as an adult, there was certainly this time period where it's like, well, I have every evening off. Theoretically, I should be able to game every evening. But I'm also now an adult. I am my knees hurt years old. So <laughs> I need to pay attention to filling out the other parts of my life that are not gaming related. And when you fill that tank, you bring more to the gaming. I have um, I have friends I absolutely adore. They want to game every Friday night. Mm -mm. And I, I can't commit to every Friday night because, you know, I have no idea if, you know, like my dad's going to be in town, if my non-gaming friends are going to want to do something. And it's like I need to have that flexibility. So for me, I've discovered every other week works best mm -hmm. almost regardless mm -hmm of mm -hmm. which game it is, you know, what day that game is mm -hmm. happening. Well, one yep. of the things that I um, fell into that works for me now is, for example, Ange is in my Thursday games. And um, even if I was going to run every Thursday, I can't run a game weekly. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to run something on the other Thursday, I need for it to be something different so that I am not getting burned out on doing that thing all the time. If I were to pick up another Thursday game now, it would probably be something like Star Trek instead of running another D&D &D game just because, you know, I want it to be something where my headspace is completely different, but I'm still getting that gaming buzz from it. Mm -hmm. This is such a weird hobby. I, I love that you <laughs> used the term gaming buzz. Like, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't pick it apart. Again, oh. three hobbies or more in a trench coat. None of which is as much fun on its own. The sum truly is greater than the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But that gaming buzz is real. It is, is. It is truly real. real. It is truly real. And running a good game is also a buzz. I don't know mm -hmm. about anybody else, but I am always convinced in the three minutes before a game starts that I am a complete fraud and I am the worst <laughs> GM ever. And then the game starts and it's something totally different. I don't care how many decades now I've done this. <laughs> still have that feeling. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still remember at my last Gen Con, I was running masks and I had a table of people show up and I'm just like, 
This is going to be a disaster. These are all strangers. And, and it was the best game ever. They like they guardians of the galaxy, the bad guy at the end by holding hands to contain an energy field to defeat evil. And it was the best thing ever. And I'm like, couldn't have planned that. It was mm -hmm. just the combination of me with those people at the, that table on the floor of the Indianapolis Colts stadium playing masks mm -hmm. you know it's like absolutely it's, just, it's that that chaos component of everything coming together <laughs> on a side note would you have guessed in elementary school that one day you would be playing in the indianapolis colts stadium <laughs> <laughs> because i'm going to tell you the next gen con that i'm at i am going to find one of those games just so i can text my dad <laughs> i've finally done it i actually um i ran I think I ran three games for Contessa that con and they were on the floor of the stadium. <laughs> and I basically at some point grabbed a selfie of myself with scoreboard behind me and said it to my cousin-in-law, who is a rabid Colts fan. I'm like, Todd, look where I am. <laughs> I think awesome. I'm on the 50 yard line, but I'm not sure. See, now I just have to bring a baseball and take that picture. <laughs> <laughs> just like hold it up and be like, you can't see, but I'm goofily smiling and holding up my uh, my thumb. Um, Everyone knew what you were doing. <laughs> no, the other thing I was going to say, though, about knowing when to take a break is I also think it's important to know what part of gaming is actually feeding your soul so that you don't cut yourself off from that. Because yes. there have been times when I have been super busy and I quit gaming completely because I didn't have time to run games. And what I really should have done was see if somebody else in the group could have run games because I still had enough time to play. I just didn't have enough time to run. And I needed that ongoing game. And I was more stressed out because I had nothing going on for a while. That is one of the things I am astoundingly grateful for in my my two incestuous Saturday groups. It's just, <laughs> it's It's technically two separate groups, but. Most of the people are the same. We've just got a couple of different people who play. Anyway. I was going to make a joke about if you were playing Game of Thrones, but yes. All of us there love to be players enough that all of us are willing to take a turn as the GM. And we don't have any one person who feels obligated to always be the GM. Now, it's one thing if you've got a group where somebody feels obligated to be the GM, but also enjoys being the GM. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't understand these these mythical creatures, but they actually get spoons from running games on the regular and are okay never taking a break. And, like, they might switch their games up. Like, I think Phil is one of these people. Phil, mm. I, I, am, I am also one of these people. I get far more from running games than, than playing them. So if any of my players are listening to this, please don't feel guilty. I like running for you. And <laughs> I, anytime I try to actually play, I'm like, I only get one character? No, I can't. I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't. I am close to it. But like I said, if I know that I'm not going to be able to run games, I need to at least play games. Because then at least I'm sort of in that headspace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do have that, well, well, GMing is more work for me. I do have that the ideas are there. I need mm. to get them out. It's just I can't be one of those people who runs for a year straight without taking a break. Mm -hmm. And breaks, by the way, don't need to be months long. They can be 
they don't need to be for a set period. They can be for a set period. Let's regroup in a month. It can be, let's regroup when I'm not feeling like garbage. It can be, hey, let's just skip this one because I need a week off. Yeah. Two weeks off. And, you know, the funny thing is, I think, I think, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. I think we may have touched on this topic in the past, but in the time since, you know, we may have talked about any aspect of what we're talking about now. One thing that I've learned as part of the pandemic and everything that's been going on is it's okay to let your group know, hey, I'm not feeling sick. I don't have anything going wrong, but I'm just not feeling it tonight. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not you. Mm -hmm. It's just I'm just not in the right headspace for this. And, you know, I used to feel super guilty about that to the point to where I'm like, eh, I almost need to say yeah, I'm sick or something came up. And now I'm just like, no, sometimes you're just not in the right headspace. Like, it's important to you and you want to spend time with these people, but it just doesn't work sometimes. I have a, a Friday group uh, that plays every other, ostensibly plays every other Friday. I had not taken a turn to GM. So last fall, I volunteered to take a turn to GM. And I decided, hey, let's let's run Tales from the Loop. That should be fun to do a campaign in. And we made characters. We had a first session. And then the holidays came up and we just decided we're not even going to attempt mm-hmm. to try and play in the month of December. We'll just regroup after New Year's. And I just felt this deep dissatisfaction and loathing of this campaign in my my heart so that when the new year came i just couldn't bring myself to start the group back up again and we'd have these occasional conversations well i'm busy this weekend anyway yada 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 and finally it got to the point where i was like okay we really need to play again but guys i'm i'm not feeling this i just can't make myself work on this campaign there's just something about the ideas i started with that i was not able to formulate into something that I feel like I can turn into a campaign for these characters. And at that point, it had been like a month and a half since we'd last played them. People barely knew their characters anyway. They were all like, yeah, sure, let's play something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we ended up settling on doing um, an Uncharted World space opera campaign. I think I've called it the Friday night space game so far. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, And I'm much more excited about this one. I'm much more like, you know, it's not necessarily take it it's recognizing what is not bringing you joy and what you need to do to change it yes mm-hmm. fold it up thank it and put it away yep. <laughs> um so i i noticed you said you you talk a lot about campaigns and I, I can't speak for anyone else but i know that when i'm feeling burned out i generally don't leap back into campaigns i always frame things as this is a one shot and if we really like this one shot it becomes a three shot and if we really like the three shot it becomes a six shot and then after a six shot it becomes a campaign but I never commit to a whole campaign up front. And like, I'm a commitment phobe. So the idea of committing to a campaign before I've played it just gives me the, the willies. My problem with that is my, my, my Saturday group uh, have issues with one shots because we have all been friends for 10 or more years at this point. So probably about 30% of the session is spent just yammering at each other. Mm-hmm. getting caught up, talking, joking, whatever. And it's hard to be focused enough to do a true one shot. Mm. So with that group, I tend to do, I'll, I'll offer to do short campaigns, which mm-hmm. are probably exactly what you're saying, like three to five sessions mm-hmm. of something to see if we like it, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. 
occasionally I will go in with a longer plan. Like my, um, my Eberron campaign that has been on hiatus for way too long was like that. And the East Texas university campaign is like that. It's, it's like, I intend to pick it back up at some point with them and at least finish out their freshman year. But we did the first semester. We'll do the second semester. You know, it's the, I, it's, I love planning and creating one shots, but a lot of that is also in the crafting of the characters and the story those characters are going to live in, mm-hmm. which doesn't always work as well for the regular group, if that makes sense. It does. So I, I'm really curious about Jared. Do you tend to go with, particularly after you've taken a break, do you go with one shots or short campaigns, or do you just go in all the way and swim through the ocean that is a new campaign? What's weird to me is I actually, this is different than it used to be before when we were playing face to face. I literally have a case up here that is all powered by the apocalypse. And I also have another case or another uh, thing over here that's all like fate stuff. And that's what we would play on certain like Saturday afternoons to see if we liked something. And we would kind of do that one shot to three shot type thing. But I don't do that now that I'm online because it just. I don't know. It, it's it's a little bit different. And has been in a couple of my games, like the the Eberron one that we used Quest for. I had an idea, a vague idea of how long it was going to take, and I think we might have been like one longer than I originally planned yeah. or something. That was a great game, by the way. Despite <laughs> it, the system, it was, it was a lot of fun. Game. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It, it's more like I want to complete a story arc, though. I think with our D and D game, even though I wanted to run a campaign, I believe I said up front once we hit the end of tier one we'll look at it and say okay do we want to do tier two now you know so i guess what i'm what i've been breaking things down into is essentially seasons like you know i want to do a story arc i can kind of wrap up a D &D story by the end of you know arc of uh tier one and there may be some loose ends that we can pick up and move into the next one but i've actually since i've been uh like the last few years, I don't like committing to like, if I'm going to run D and don't like telling people, yeah, we're going to play one through 20 because yeah. I can't, I can't commit to that. <laughs> I've never had that happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Even the people who talked about actually doing that. I've never had it happen. Yeah. Dove has come close. Uh, <laughs> she's the, the, my sorcerer in my friend Tristan's campaign. But again, we play that seasonally, you know, mm-hmm. like he'll run a season will end at a good stopping point for that sh- that season for that that series uh and then come back to it later when he's ready to run again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's 11th 12th level now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but like that whole zero, you know, 1 to 20 that doesn't let's like it's kind of unrealistic for most people. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of an arbitrary. I mean, this is this is a whole other podcast and, <laughs> and maybe we should have it at some point in time. That feels like a weird way to measure time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it, it's you shouldn't it, it's not a novel you're not a frustrated novelist but the the character progression and the things that happen sort of feels more important to me than like oh i can cast ninth level spells now but i do think speaking of taking a break because i can i can segue back to the original topic hey um, <laughs> that's your superpower okay <laughs> but speaking of the original topic um like like you're saying with D&D, you may not, it's a huge task to plow through 1st through 20th level. But if you do, for example, say we're going to play tier 1, 
and then you set those characters aside and then later on you say hey let's run these through tier two and then you play something else for a while and then you come back and play tier three in eventually that might actually get you to level 20 more than if you tried to just yes force yourself to go one through 20 and not give up the campaign yeah and and you know let's be honest it is a very different game playing first through third level mm-hmm. as it is from playing 15th to 18th level. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very different game and you have to account and compensate for that. Mm-hmm. Each game has its each each system has its own issues with longevity. I'm we are my my one of my Saturday groups is starting a traveler campaign and my uh my GM keeps going, okay, Andrew's gonna go on a rant about this. Uh, <laughs> like you should have heard me going off on the ageism rant about having to roll on the age table <laughs> every four years after 34. I'm like, that's ageist. I mean, look, I'm never gonna not be salty about the fact that Ezrin <laughs> is supposed to be like 35 in Pathfinder. <laughs> like, come on, come on. Where yeah, is my the, wisdom score increase? Right? <laughs> <laughs> my fear is that i got one it just wasn't enough to overcome the penalty um anyway uh, yeah so i think i think we've covered the topic pretty well do you think mm-hmm. it's time we took a break from this topic and got to the outro certainly i i think that sounds like a plan so so instead of a gnome stew perhaps it's a a, a gnome dessert Gnome, gnome mousse, if you will. Gnome parfait. Ooh. Okay, now I want dessert of some kind. (laughs) (laughs) This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can be a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link of the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Gamer Acres, the gamer retirement home. Let's be real for a second. This doesn't actually exist, but we older gamers see retirement in the future, and I'd sure love a senior gamer community. I ain't never taken a break from this hobby. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Mr. Rick and Mark shows. Here's one to check out. They're a super geek. They're a super geek is an actual play one shot live stream created by three BIMPOC players to highlight the voices of marginalized folks in the TTRPG scene. They feature gender marginalized GMs and a diverse rotating cast of players. Tune in every other Thursday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time on the Misdirected Mark Twitch. You can find all of us at Gnome Stew dot com at gnomes on twitter and gnomes on facebook gnomes do you have anything else you'd like to shout out any any other sites anything else i uh, not really Ch- check out youtube crafting tutorials <laughs> they're amazing you should watch all of them because that's going to be what my next article is going to be about jared putting you on the spot now okay um i would um i would like to direct you towards uh what do i know jr.com which is my site where i also do any review that doesn't end up on gnomes do and on top of that right now i actually want to direct people towards green ronin's cthulhu awakens kickstarter Ooh, yeah. because i really like the idea that they're uh have a diverse crew of people working on a cthulhu rpg and that part of the the idea behind that is that anything in those mythos stories that was racist and bad towards marginalized people were actually the biases of the unreliable narrators writing those stories. And I love that spin on things. So yes. I believe that Kickstarter will still be going by the time this uh, podcast uh, gets published. It's got like 30 days left. 
So I would love for people to check that out because I love that idea of how they frame that. What about you, Ange? I do not have anything to shout out because I didn't come prepared for that part of the (laughs) show. Um, So we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Read Gnome Sue. We love you. Yes, absolutely. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Time is time is artificial. Time is a weird soup, yes.